Hey everyone, and welcome to the Younger Old Man Podcast. This is episode seven. Uh, welcome back. For those of you who are still strong with me, seven uh, seven weeks in a row, I guess kind of eight because I skipped a week in there. Thank you for uh, continuing to listen. Uh, thanks for listening to me ramble on for 20 to 30 minutes for seven weeks in a row, eight weeks in a row. Uh, last week was a nice, last week was a nice little break for you guys. Uh, just cause I had somebody else on the podcast. That was pretty cool. Um, I, I love doing that. That was so much fun to chat with my cousin for a half hour. Um, I mean, honestly, I, I don't really get to talk to her for even that long, uh, on a monthly basis. So it was super cool to be able to talk to her. Uh, just for my own personal selfishness and also for the fact of getting to share it with you guys. That was really cool. Um, let me know what you guys thought of that that podcast, just uh, uh, your takeaways and what you thought of it and uh, you know the, the different things you, you drew from it. Um, if you want, I think the easiest way to comment or send me a message would just be to hit me up on Instagram. I think a lot of you guys actually find me through Instagram. Um, but once again, my Instagram handle is at Zach Mark 40. That's at Z A C H M A R K four zero, uh, on Instagram. Just send me a direct message. Uh, let me know what you thought of the podcast and, uh, I'll actually, I'll bring up what your question, comment, or concern was next time. That'll be super fun. We'll have like a little Q and a on the podcast next time. Maybe that would be uh, a nice new little feature. We could spend five, 10 minutes just, uh, seeing what people had to share. Uh, so what has been going on in my little my little neck of the woods, my little nape of the way? Uh, yeah, I did that on purpose. I know that's confusing too. Uh, two little phrases together. Anyway, uh, this past weekend was Halloween. Happy belated Halloween. Um, my maybe second favorite holiday of the year, right behind Thanksgiving. Um, I freaking love Thanksgiving. It's just you, you get to hang out with great people. Um, and you get to stuff your face to an uncomfortable level. Um, at least that's what I try for. I don't, I don't hold back on Thanksgiving. I really don't. I just like, if I am laying on my back, writhing in agony about the amount of food that I just consumed, I know I had a good Thanksgiving. Um, what a, what a first world problem to have, right? (laughs) I ate so much that I am in pain. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so yeah, Halloween, my second favorite holiday of the year. Um, just, I, I, I don't know. I don't really don't even know what it is. I think it's the element of the fact that like people get freaked out about it. Um, like from a, you know, scare your pants off perspective, which doesn't really even make sense because I hate horror movies. I hate anything related to that. Uh, but something about Halloween, I just really like for that reason. Um, so Halloween the day before, actually, uh, I should say this past Saturday, uh, we took the kids out trick or treating, um, with some friends of ours and their kids, which was awesome. Um, I mean, I, I pretty much just carried the seven month old, of course. Um, but my daughter, my three-year-old, um, she went trick or treating for the first time. She was a little blue dinosaur, which is super cool. Um, she, (laughs) I think it was maybe like the sixth house in, or maybe it was even closer towards the end. She was like, I thought it was going to be scary. Um, and for context, I shared the nightmare before Christmas with her when she was like two. Um, I don't really care if that's a wrong thing or a right thing as a parent. I freaking love the nightmare before Christmas. That is easily my favorite movie of all time. 
Um, so I shared that with her when she was probably two. So she loved it when she watched it, and she still loves it. She sings the songs all the time. She'll sing the songs in the middle of July. It doesn't matter. Um, but I think she is a little scared by it. So I think she thought that Halloween was actually going to be scary. Like, she was going to see Jack Skellington alive or something, or that, like, ghosts were truly going to come out. Um, and at least more than they already do on a regular basis. Um, and so she was super excited about the fact that, oh, they're like, this is the point of, uh, this is the point of Halloween as a young kid is to like walk around to people's doors, say trick or treat and get free candy. Um, so she had a blast. She had a blast with all the other kids. We had a little Halloween party at my sister-in-law's before that, which was super cool. Uh, it was very nice of her to put that on for everyone. So yeah, the kids had a great time. Uh, I think the parents had a great time, more or less. We had good enough weather. It wasn't too cold. The rain stayed away, um, even though it was supposed to rain. So it was a fantastic Halloween, fantastic first trick-or-treating from my daughter. Um, And I also learned that my wife didn't really trick-or-treat as a kid. Um, And then the friends of ours that went with us, um, uh, my buddy Simon actually had never gone trick-or-treating before either, at least when he was a kid. Um... And then I found out this weekend that my other friend Carl didn't go trick-or-treating as a kid. Anyway, I went trick-or-treating as a kid like like it was nobody's business. Like, we went to a town maybe 20 minutes away with some friends of ours that uh, had family there. Like, we were filling pillowcases full of candy and, like, getting another bag. Like, emptying that out and then getting another bag. Like, we hit it hard as kids. So, it was just it was an interesting thing to realize. Like, wow, I you know, Halloween for me as a kid was so different for you. Maybe that's why I like Halloween so what so much. I really don't like candy that much anymore, though. I don't know. Anyway, so that was Saturday. Um, Sunday, this was actually a crazy weekend, even more so for my wife, um, because she had a baby shower uh, on Saturday, and then there was a baby shower on Sunday as well. Um, and then there was something on Friday. I'm blanking. There's something crazy going on on Friday as well. But anyway, it was super busy for her. Um, but the the baby shower on this past Sunday was for uh, my buddy Carl's wife, who's also my friend. I, I don't really know how to say that kind of thing anymore. Like, I, I make friends with a dude, and then, you know, you become friends with their significant other. But for some reason, you're like, yeah, my friend's wife. I don't know. Um, she's awesome as well. She's a good friend of mine, I think anyway. Um, (laughs) anyway, it's their baby shower. Uh, so while my wife and her and her friends and her family had their, their baby shower, um, I spent all day Sunday with my good friend Carl on a little project by little, I mean massive in my opinion, um, that I had kind of, assigned to my friend Carl to figure out how to do uh, several weeks back. Um, And that project is to build a broad fork. For those of you who don't know what a broad fork is, um, it's basically a hand tool that you use. It's, It's essentially like a pitchfork, except bigger, wider. The tines are longer, Um, they're thicker. And the purpose of the broad fork is to use it in place of a rototiller in your garden. Um, so you aerate the soil, um, without pulling basically, uh, 
the soil from several inches down and throwing it right on top. So you don't interrupt the soil layers as much. Uh, so you keep the nutrients in the soil a little bit more. You still aerate the soil. Did I say soil enough times yet? Um, there's a handful of other benefits using a broad fork over a rototiller. Um, I'm not here to like tell you that rototilling is wrong in your garden. I like broad forking. I rototilled it last year or two years ago. Actually, I had uh, had someone else rototiller because I didn't own a rototiller. Um, did I say rototiller enough now too? Uh, so anyway, broad fork, that's what I used last year, except the broad fork I used, I bought at Home Depot is the cheapest one I could find is a hundred dollars. And it broke within like, I don't know, five minutes of tilling the garden, which tilling should I even call it tilling forking the garden. Um, <laughs> that sounds dirty. Uh, so I broke it very quickly. I was really mad about it. Luckily I was able to get my money back from Home Depot. It's part of why I bought it from Home Depot. But anyway, turns out that the best broad forks are like over $200, like 280 is the starting point. Um, and I had been wanting to have a broad fork to actually put in some winter oats or something like that, uh, as a cover crop over the winter. Now it's already getting late and I don't know if I'll be able to do that this year, but, um, hopefully I can. But anyway, the point was that I needed a broad fork to basically, uh, aerate the soil, move it around so I could get the oats in the ground. Uh, I was telling this to my friend Carl. I was like, yeah, I got to figure out how to, you know, come up with two, $300, I guess for a new broad fork. Um, and he was like, well, what do they look like? Uh, I mean, he had heard of them before, but I think he was trying to get an idea of like what their construction was. And he's like, dude, that's basically like, just some welded scrap metal and two handles. And I was like, well, yeah, but, and he was kind of like, well, I can weld. I can show you how to weld since you've wanted to weld, meaning me. Um, and then we can build one and it'll be certainly cheaper than a hundred dollars. Um, so I sent Carl, um, kind of a, a link to one of the broad forks that I was looking at buying. Um, so we use that as our template uh, basically to draw up a broad fork design by we, I mean, Carl decided to take it upon himself to design this based on the specifications on that company's website that we stole it from. Um, we're not selling them company. Don't come and get us. Um, if a broad fork looks a lot like yours, it's out of, uh, it's out of jealousy that we couldn't buy yours because yours is a million dollars in my opinion. Um, so anyway, Carl designed it, uh, a few weeks ago. Um, and I think either Friday or Saturday, he used a plasma cutter, cut out the broad fork tines. Uh, so the kind of, you know, the teeth that come out of the fork, there are six of them. Um, he drilled holes in them cause basically there's holes drilled in the tines on the model that we were copying. I think partially for weight. Why else? I don't really know, to be honest with you. Um, my main thing is weight. We You lost a half a pound by drilling holes out of the teeth, which was really cool. Teeth, tines, I'm probably going to use those interchangeably. Um, so Carl did all the hard work that day. He cut them out. And he ground them down, grinded them, whatever you want to call it, cleaned them up so they were ready to be welded. Um, he got all the scrap metal. Um, and... Yeah, and then he cleaned up the pipe the day of. Yeah, there's basically like a tube, pipe tube, um, that we used for mounting the tines onto. So anyway, Carl used a plasma cutter, cut the tines, got everything ready. So Sunday I rolled in. 
Um, I basically heat tempered the tines on the very end, maybe the last two or three inches uh, by heat treating them, heat tempering. What I mean is I took an acetylene torch, which I hadn't used in about at least 15 years. So I didn't remember how to use it at all, which Carl was very patient because he's that kind of fella. Um, and I basically heated them up, dunk them in oil to cool them off. Uh, and there you go. Now you have heat tempered, uh, tines at the very end. Um, next was to actually weld the tines onto this, uh, steel tubing that we had steel pipe, um, kind of be the main section of the fork. And so I, I took a grinder, cleaned up the tines so that we could weld them to this pipe. Uh, Carl had meanwhile been cleaning up the pipe set them up, measured them out, laid them all out. Carl kind of basically welded them, welded the tines to the pipe so that they would stay. Um, and then this was the educational part because it was then up to me to weld, uh, basically the rest of the surface area of the pipe to the tine. Uh, basically more or less, you know, you have, it's like if you took a piece, you took a piece of tape and you taped one end of something and you taped the other end, but you didn't tape in the middle. Uh, that's kind of what was going on. So I was quote taping or welding the rest of that area in the middle. I'm describing this in a way that you can sort of visually see. If you can't visually see it in your mind's eye, guess what? It's on my Instagram page at Zach Mark 40. Um, <laughs> uh, that gives, I have a whole story on it on my Instagram page to basically show you what we were doing step by step. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm not doing as well a job describing this as I thought I was going to. So I had already posted a story, so you can check it out there. Uh, But basically after that, Carl taught me how to weld, which is super cool. Something I wanted to learn how to do for a very long time. Um, I don't think I would say that I am a welder. I think I would say, as my dad said, I am a successful melter. (laughs) Um, I think I had a few good welds in there. It was less boogery than I thought it was going to be. Um, it looks like somebody actually tried to weld it. It didn't look like somebody booger welded it. Um, in my opinion, at least it doesn't look great. I'm not telling you that it did a great job, but there are several pieces of metal that were supposed to be stuck together. They are now stuck together and they don't move. Um, so I think that was successful welding on my part. Uh, from there we had to, uh, weld the handle mounts, maybe, that's probably the best way to describe that. Basically, two pieces of uh, square stock that you welded to that same pipe so that you could fit your wooden oak handles into. Because there's a handle on each side of the fork, meaning you use two hands to use this fork. Um, so Carl welded those on just in the interest of time. And the fact that uh, he's a little bit better welder than me. So having the handles on there was probably a good, I think good idea. I think that he welded those on. Um, plus he also just likes welding. So it was a fun little project for him too. Uh, he set everything up for me, so he might as well have some fun as well as me. Um, we also had to cut those square pieces out. Uh, Carl had a scrap piece of I don't know what it was, maybe like inch and a quarter by inch and a quarter, uh, tubing that we used for that. Um, we cut them out with a grinder, uh, basically cut out the little circle with the grinder as well. A lot of grinder use. I love using a grinder. 
Uh, so that was a great weekend for me just in the fact that I got to use a grinder a million times and I learned how to weld. Uh, what kind of welding were we doing? Uh, MIG welding. Um, I now know sort of kind of how to MIG weld. I don't know how to do any sort of other welding. Uh, whatever, stick, TIG, I don't know. People who are welders, you know much more than I do. So, uh, whatever your favorite is, you go learn that. Um, so after that, we put those mounts on, like I said, then it was just kind of like we were staring in awe at the fact that this project actually came together because at this point now we had a finished fork. Uh, we didn't have the handles mounted on or anything like that, but it was like, holy crap, that's exactly like what I saw on this company's website to buy for two, $300. Now, is it perfectly shaped in the same way theirs is? N- no. Um, but it's all held together and it'll certainly do the job, which was super freaking cool. Uh, and it went all together way faster than we thought it was going to. Took a lunch break, came back, um, kind of were looking around for something to use handles for. Um, Carl actually had some, a, a nice, uh, piece of oak, nice piece of red oak that was still laying around possibly from his grandfather. Uh, so all the metal we used was scrap metal from the scrapyard and the wood we used for the handle was super old red oak that Carl had laying around as scrap wood. Uh, cut that, that board into two pieces, 48 inches long, uh, for each handle. Um, ended up being, what did I say? Somewhere around like inch and three eighths by inch and three eighths, something like that. Uh, and then you shave down the ends so that it fits in the square tubing properly. Um, which was super cool because then we got to use an old school planer by old school. I mean, hand planer that was like, you know, from, I don't know, same style that you would use in the 1800s. So that was super fun. Uh, so the tools we got to use were awesome. I mean, we used a welder, we used an acetylene torch, Carl used a plasma cutter. Um, what else? What did I just say? I got to use super old planers, uh, planes, planes, um, table saw, which, I am a wimp when it comes to table saws, unless it's a freaking saw stop anymore. I hate table saws. I've never liked them. I've grown a fond, like, respect for them, and I really think they're cool. Uh, But the ones that you buy that sit in your garage for 20 years, I don't love them. I just just have a healthy respect for them. Um, You could call me a wimp. That's fine. That's, That's maybe accurate. Uh, so anyway, put those handles in and then we tested out the broad fork in Carl's garden. Again, go to my Instagram page and you will find a quick little video of Carl trying out the broad fork and guess what? Drum roll, please. It works super cool in one day plus Carl's, uh, prep work, which is probably, I don't know, half a day's worth of work. We had a working broad fork that I can use to broad fork my guard now, which was super cool. And it was well under a hundred dollars, well under $50. Um, and now like it's all from recycled pieces in the sense, scrap wood, uh, scrap metal, um, little bit of welding materials, obviously. Um, and I mean, a grinder wheel, you know, the polishing bit of it. Um, but other than that, like, that's super cool that like, now I have this thing that my buddy and I made together. It is a useful tool. And oh, and I mean, like I said before, the oak was probably from Carl's grandfather. So like now there's a piece of history in it too. All in this tool that we built together that I'm now gonna go forth 
and use in my garden every year. And that's super freaking cool. Just, I, I mean, like, the fact that it's like, build your own tools if you can. Um, Carl's also the kind of guy, like, he <laughs> he made his own mallet and hammer. <laughs> he, if, if he doesn't have a tool, he'll make something work. Um, he's kind of a MacGyver like that. Uh, I think I said it before. He's the kind of guy you want in your zombie apocalypse squad. Um, if, if there's a problem, he's going to figure it out. That's just kind of how his brain works. It's super cool. Um, so it was really exciting just to have, you know, this piece of history, this piece of, uh, you know, this something that two people worked on together and created rather than bought from a store. Um, there's a story behind the tool that you use. Now, every single time you're in the garden, you're like, wow, I mean, you know, it's super, I I like being in the garden anyway. My favorite part of the year for the garden actually is, uh, tilling it or forking it. Um, that's like the initial step of the year. Like, all right, here we go. We're beginning another season. Um, but now on top of that, you just kind of have this bit of story with you every single time you go out to the garden with it. Um, and as it patinas, you know, the metal patinas, um, and the handles get used and worn in. Um, you know, you just, there's just, there's more history to it. It's that much more important to me. It's that much more special. It's not just, you know, tool I bought from Lowe's and don't think anything of. It's this thing that I'll, you know, use and find value in for years and years and years to come. Uh, that's a super cool thing for me. Um, I think that's a super cool thing for, for anyone if they're doing anything like that. That's kind of the beauty of, uh, you know, being a do-it-yourself kind of person. Um, just even something simple like working on your car, just changing your oil on your car. Uh, I mean, I did that the other day on my Forerunner. It was time to change the oil. And I do it mostly because it's way too expensive for somebody else to do it when I can do it for cheaper. Um, it doesn't take that much time. But it's also just like I, I actually did something. You you have some sort of a little bit of accomplishment Um, And I think that's something that people kind of lost sight of anymore. Uh, I mean, I think I think there's like little niche markets where people appreciate things like that and they buy handmade things. They think it's really cool. And that's great. I'm very happy that that's uh, become more and more of a thing. But it's also just like, you know, you can pay anyone to do anything anymore if you want. You can find someone to to do just about anything. Um, but for you to build something or make something or or just do something yourself, um, there's a lot of value in that in and of itself. Uh, you know, I, I had a boss one time who was kind of like asking me why I would work on my own vehicles. And I said, well, it's cheaper. And he's like, well, your time is worth X amount per hour. And it was just the first time anyone had ever said to me like that they they look at their own time based on a monetary value like I look at that I mean I obviously look at that like when I look at getting new jobs or I where I work or whatever like that's how your brain works uh because you're spending your time to earn money um but my time is invaluable especially if I'm learning something like I didn't know how to weld until this weekend. And I wouldn't say that like, I really, really know how to weld quite yet. But like, I learned something. So I mean, sure, I spent an entire day with a good friend of mine making this thing. Um, and if you're going to do math on like how much time versus money, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe it's technically cheaper to 
buy a broad fork if you're somebody who makes a good bit of money. I don't make that much money, so I, I know it was still cheaper. But it was just kind of like this weird thing of like, that's a weird way to look at your world if you look at all of your time based on money. Uh, just like what your time is worth. Um, I mean, you're, you know, when you're doing something like that, you're learning a skill, you're having an experience. And I think those things can't be measured in money. Um, especially if it's with a friend or if it's something for your own interest. Um, you know, when you fix something on your car, sure, maybe the amount of time it takes you is going to be longer than it would for a mechanic, uh, for them to fix it. But like, you now also have learned something in the process. Um, and to me, that kind of stuff is just, you can't put a price tag on that at all. And I think the more and more people do things for themselves, like, I mean, you know, you can look at, um, the fact that we have a garden, you know, we grow a lot of our food and then my wife cans a lot of it. If I say garden, I set up the garden and I help take it down. My wife does majority of the work of the garden throughout the summer. But now I have delicious food that was grown in my backyard and I can take pride in it because like we, we, we help facilitate this, you know, the earth did all the work really, if you want to talk about it and get down to the brass tacks, but that's super cool. Like, you know, now you can look back at your summer and go, wow, this is, this is the fruits of our labor. We did this. Um, I mean, you can go buy your lettuce in the store too. That's fine. I mean, it's obviously food. Um, there's fine lettuce in the store. Uh, but there's just something a lot more, uh, worthwhile to me to be doing more and more things yourself if you can. Uh, and I mean, that's hard to do now with kids, you know, time is something that you don't really have any of. Um, so it's harder to make time to do those things for yourself. Uh, but I would encourage anyone to try and do things more and more themselves. Um, especially around the house whether it's house little projects or it's car projects, whatever it is. Uh, I mean, there's a million, there's a million YouTube videos to find like how to fix anything on a car at this point. Um, the same thing with stuff in your house and you're a lot more capable than you think you are. I think the biggest thing anymore is that people don't work with their hands as often. Um, depending on who you are. Uh, I work with my hands every day. My friend Carl works with it, works with his hands every day. Um, but I mean, people who, uh, you know, spend a lot of time on their computer or, or things like that. I mean, there's, there's obvious benefits to doing work like that. I think you generally get paid a lot more, um, <laughs> uh, which would be super nice. Um, but you just don't work with your hands as much and you, it's kind of foreign to you to like mess around with anything. And I think you lose something by doing that. Um, this isn't my rant to tell everyone to go work manual labor jobs. By God, please don't do that. Um, you'll end up with a, a monster energy drink habit and a, you know, a freaking smoking habit by the end of the week, <laughs> uh, depending on who you are anyway, depending on, uh, how good your willpower is, I guess. Um, but anyway, just, just the point of like, practice those skills, work with your hands, get your hands dirty, try something. And if you're, you're not doing something because you're freaked out about messing something up, here's a really good, here's a really good thing to know. You will mess something up. You will. That is called learning. That is how you move forward. Um, it was a nice reminder to me when I, I first started working at the cabinet shop. I, I'm not, I was not like a prime woodworker before I started. I don't think I am now. I'm just a little bit better, but I messed something up and I was really, you know, mad at myself for it. And the guy was like, Hey, you're not working unless you're messing something up. 
Um, and, and the point being like, you're not actually trying to make progress and move forward unless you're messing something up. And it's something I've known my whole life. And it's something that I wish people would understand a lot more. Um, you're going to mess up whatever you do, you will mess something up, but that's not like failure. That's just learning. Um, you know, when you learn to ride a bike, did you fall? And if someone tells me you didn't fall, you're a freaking liar. Um, (laughs) But everyone falls when they learn how to ride a bike. Did you fail to ride a bike? No, you just had to go through that process to learn how to ride a bike. That's how everything in life works. And the more afraid you are to try anything, like the more you need to go do things that make you uncomfortable. That's how you learn. Um, So I'm always learning, meaning I'm always messing stuff up. Uh, But it helps me know that in, in theory, I may be moving forward. Anyway, um, so that was my Sunday afternoon. That was my broad forking around. Um, again, thanks to my friend Carl. He's the man. Um, one day, one day I'll be like you, good sir. You'll be my role model. <laughs> one day I'll be able to uh, to uh, weld something like you. Um, anyway, uh. I'd also like to know, like I said earlier before in the podcast, if you guys can please uh, send me questions, comments, concerns um, through my Instagram direct messages on your thoughts on last week's podcast uh, regarding the interview. Um, I kind of have a running list of people I'd like to interview in the future. Um, Also, if the interview wasn't long enough or if it was uh, too long, uh, because I actually had a couple people say something about time, um, which this podcast may be running away with me anyway. Um, and also just the same thing with Instagram, just send direct messages with thoughts in general on the podcast. That would be super cool. Like I said, to have some sort of Q and a would be really, really cool. Um, so thank you guys for listening once again, uh, to the seventh time in a row. Thanks for listening to this podcast. It means quite a lot to me to see um, just anybody who listens to it all is really, really exciting. Um, if you love the podcast and you listen to this on Apple Podcasts, which you certainly can, uh, go ahead and give a little review, little uh, whatever, the, however many stars you want. Um, five is the winner circle, I think. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, give whatever review you want. Um and to that point about the Apple Podcast part, this podcast should be available on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, um, and I think at this point almost anywhere you'll find podcasts. Uh, don't quote me on that, but your your main Apple Podcasts and Spotify uh, should be the main points that you should be able to find this podcast on. Um, if you want to go ahead and give a review on either of those platforms, please go ahead and do so. Um, thanks again for listening to this podcast. Uh, it means a lot to me. It's been a lot of fun to do this so far. I'm looking forward to doing more interviews and new exciting things for you guys in the future. Um, with that said, it is now way past my bedtime and I probably need to try and get sweet potatoes out of the garden if I can, because it's going to freeze. Um, and I'm, I'm way behind. So anyway, thank you guys once again for listening. Uh, I'll check in on you guys next week.